0: Recently, two state reps came to visit my school. They walked the cheerful halls of my K-5 through building. And everything seemed to be as it should be. While the representatives walked around. They saw children sitting in classrooms who appeared to be learning. What they
1: couldn't see was that one of those students had recently been sexually assaulted. What they couldn't see was that one of the students was woken up by the police who were raiding their home.
2: What they couldn't see was that one student was terrified because a judge just let her mother have contact with her again.
0: What they couldn't see was that one child was thinking about hanging themselves with a jump rope. What they couldn't see was that one student recently lost his mother.
2: They couldn't see that from looking at my students, but I see them.
0: But I could see them. I see them. I see all
1: 501 of them.
2: These worries are real.
1: These events are all real. I am in the building with my students for seven hours. Which students should I pick
0: to help? Who will get pushed to the side?
2: I love what I do, but I cannot meet the needs of all of my students.
0: Rather than just complaining after work, I am reaching out to ask for a systemic change.
3: These stories, which were featured in the Delaware State Education Association's What They Didn't See video, are real. And they come from school-based mental health professionals here in Delaware. Elementary school children carry trauma and life experiences with them that immensely impact their school and home situations. Without access to mental health resources, these issues can spiral into full-blown crises. In schools throughout our state, one counselor may be responsible for up to 500 children stretching their time incredibly thin, and almost guaranteeing that some children fall through the cracks. Lawmakers and advocates are fighting to ensure students in elementary schools have access to the resources they need with House Bill 100. This legislation will provide sustained funding for school-based mental health professionals, such as school counselors, school psychologists, and school social workers. This week, we'll hear from a few of those school-based mental health professionals, Emily Klein, Brandon Townsend, and Don Hall joined us this week to discuss the real need for mental health services within our schools. We'll also be joined by a parent, Chris Locke, who discusses the benefit of having mental health resources in the classroom and at home. We'll also hear from the House sponsor of this bill, Representative Valerie Longhurst, and the Senate sponsor of this bill, Marie Pinckney, was also a master-level social worker. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. The House sponsor of this bill, Representative Valerie Longhurst, is here. And Representative Longhurst, we've talked about HB100 on the podcast before, but could you give everybody a little bit of a refresher
4: and talk about what this legislation establishes? HB100 allows the teachers to teach and it allows allows the behavior health specialists to work with the children's needs. So one in five children have a mental health issue in the country. And what HB 100 will allow uh, the school districts to do is to have one mental health counselor per 250 students. Today there, we don't have a a number attached to that. Therefore, our children's needs are not being met. And what this bill does is it corrects that. Currently, Delaware ranks 34th in this in the nation. For behavioral health specialists. And I'm trying to increase that so that we have the services that our children need. And especially today with the pandemic that we have, we don't know what the outcomes of that's going to be when the kids get back to school in, in September. Fingers crossed that they do get back to school, but when they do go back to school, we need to ha- we need to be ready to go to service those children because we've gone almost a year without having any services for our children.
3: Definitely. And I know that this bill has been around for a while. You've introduced it in previous uh, legislative sessions. Before the pandemic, you were able to tour some schools to actually see on the ground what the mental health establishment looked like there. So what was that like? What kind of things were you seeing in the schools? and What were you hearing from
4: the mental health professionals? You know, I traveled up and down the state. I started in the Wilmington area and I went all the way to Sussex County and I did tour the schools with a lot of legislators, senators, and representatives. And when you go into the schools, you see children in the classroom raising their hands during their homework, but it's what you don't see. And what you don't see is some of the some of the day-to-day issues that they have in their personal and home life. And when I speak to the counselors, they're overwhelmed they're overwhelmed in caseloads, they're overwhelmed in the amount of time that they can spend with a child. So they also have other other activities that they have to do in the school. So they have to pick and choose which children get the services. And with this bill and what I've told, if they could have um, more specialists in the school, that would help work with some of these children. Um, You can't just pick and choose who you decide to help that day as the children come to them, they they want to be ready there to help them. And we don't have that luxury right now.
3: Yeah, definitely. I know that this bill has huge support. Um, I know that you've been working a little bit with DSCA on this and some other advocates. So what has that been like and how have they helped push this bill forward?
4: Well, I've worked with DSCA and then you know they were completely aware of the the lack of behavioral health specialists in schools. So when I approached them, they were they were one hundred percent willing to get in there. Also, the National Association for Counselors worked with them. We had before we introduced this bill a roundtable that lasted about a year talking about how we can address the issue. We had everybody from NAMI and we had Nemoirs in the in the room. We had Department of Education. It was a, a well-rounded roundtable. School psychologists were there. And we sat down and we talked about, like, how can we fix this? And with all those people coming together and DSEA taking the lead on it, we were able to come up with House Bill 100. And it does have a lot of legislators. Out of 62 legislators, we have 52 sponsors. And we have 52 sponsors because those sponsors are in their school districts and they're seeing what we don't have and they know how important it is for the success of our children and the success of the state of Delaware. And, you know, we have to solve these problems now. We can't keep, keep kicking the can down the road. By not addressing these issues, later on in life, you can have mass incarceration, you have drug and alcohol addiction, you have homelessness, you have mental health um, issues, you have suicide issues. So by putting this, per- or putting this into the elementary school, we're hoping that we can catch it early and we can make those corrective actions early. And my, you know, my goal is to get into the middle schools and then also the high schools. But first step was getting into the elementary schools. It's amazing when you hear a, a fourth grade child that wants to commit suicide. That makes no sense. And we need to have those services in that school. Our teachers can kind of identify them but now we need to treat them and help them. If you believe in this bill, come out and advocate for it. Contact your representative, contact your senator, contact the governor. Um, Your voice matters, and in this issue, it definitely matters. And I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that we have enough support to get this implemented in the state of Delaware.
3: We will now hear from Senator Marie Pinckney, who, in addition to being a sponsor of this bill, is also a master level social worker. So, Senator Pinckney, could you talk first about your background in social work and treating adolescents and maybe talk about how that informed your support for this bill?
5: Yeah, so I'm a master's level social worker um, and I have been working in the social work field for almost 10 years now, it's crazy to say. Um, I actually started my background um, working with adolescents who suffer from mental health and substance abuse problems. Um, So it's the HB 100 is right up my alley of of what I saw with that work. So it's definitely, definitely necessary. the interesting thing about the work that I did was that I was mostly working with adolescents, um, but through the work that I did with them, you can always see how a lot of the things that they're struggling with in adolescence started in early childhood. So HP 100 is going to be really exciting because it's going to target working with students in elementary school, where we can hopefully curve a lot of the behaviors that we see later in life because they go untreated.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think I was reading earlier, the statistic is about 20% of children suffer from undiagnosed mental illnesses and obviously that can bleed over into other parts of their lives. So why is it important to have these resources in their schools? I know that there probably are resources in the community, but why is it important that we have these mental health professionals actually there with them?
5: Yeah, that's a really, really good question, um, because our kids spend most of our time in our schools, most of their day, most of the kids' day is spent at school. Um, and it's really, really hard to focus and get a good education if you're worrying about how you're going to eat when you go home, if you are so anxious that you can barely sit still in class, um, if you're depressed. And I think making sure that we have these supports for kids in schools gives us the perfect perfect opportunity to blend the idea of addressing mental health, but still making sure that our kids get a good education. Um, It makes sure that we don't let any kids fall through the cracks, because in some communities, we see that mental health is not necessarily a priority. Um, And there are so many other things that families have to worry about that they don't get to worry about mental health first. So putting it in schools, making sure that people recognize that we do know that mental health has to be a priority for a student to get a a good education gives us the opportunity to be even more responsible for the kids who were providing education to, and really gives them the opportunity to get that education um, successfully because their uh, mental health concerns or their concerns at home are being heard and listened to and supported. And also um, something that's really good about putting it in schools is that a lot of families who wouldn't have the resources or the means to seek mental health support won't have to worry about that. We're removing that barrier by putting them in the schools directly.
3: Yeah, definitely. You just mentioned a few of the barriers there, especially in low-income areas. People have trouble getting access or trouble finding mental health resources. But I think another barrier is definitely the stigma around mental health. I know that you're a mental health professional, so I'm sure you see it a lot. People are afraid sometimes to reach out and get help. Do you think that by exposing to kids these resources at an early age, they'll have less of a stigma around the mental health resources and be more able to
5: reach out when they are older? Completely agree with that statement. Um, One of the things that I think is interesting, you mentioned that 20% of students suffer from some type of mental health. That's that we know of, right? So I think if when we really get to sit down and make sure that kids have access to mental health providers, we may find that so many of our students are going undiagnosed because the behaviors are being looked at as behavioral issues or that's just how this kid is um, versus us really Honing in and paying attention to mental health, it gives us the opportunity to address it, to elevate it, and let people know that so many people suffer from mental health concerned, that there's nothing wrong with it, but that what we really need to do is provide support for it so that we don't have to continue to talk about mental health in a way that um, is stigmatized or a way that makes people feel less than because they may be having some mental health issues. And something that I also think is really exciting about it, by teaching kids to address mental health, those very same kids will go back home and talk to their families about it. And we're also going to be looking at crossing out those borders through generations as well, because kids are going to recognize that there's nothing wrong with me. I just need a little bit of extra support. And by them being willing to be opened up and talked about those same kind of issues, our families will be at home talking about those issues too.
3: I want to talk now about the teachers. How will providing more mental health resources in schools benefit our teachers? What kind of changes are they going to see in their classrooms?
5: Teachers don't go to school to learn how to be or provide mental health services. That's not what they're, where their passions are. That's not what they're going to school for. That's not what they're educated in. Teachers are meant to educate and they are valuable and they are needed. And by taking away the burden of them having to address mental health, we get to allow them to focus on education to focus on where their heart and their passions are. And we get to take that burden off of them by making sure that they have somebody who is trained and educated in really addressing mental health. So although we won't be necessarily providing teachers with the added skills of addressing mental health because we shouldn't be, we'll be taking a burden off of the teachers because they'll be able to focus in their classrooms when, student, when they're noticing that students are having a difficult day. They'll be able to make sure that student has access to the person that is really trained to address the issues that they're suffering from. Is
3: there anything else that you wanted to say about this bill? Because I know it's one of your first pieces of legislation that you're sponsoring, which is always exciting. And I know that it's very near and dear to your heart.
5: Yeah. The only other thing I want to say about this bill is that it is so necessary and it's so needed. Um, I was just talking with the, the House bill sponsor, Representative Longhurst. And one of the things that she said to me that really gets me excited about this bill is that we have 52 legislators who have signed on to this bill. That's one of the most Uh, co-sponsored bills that she's seen in her career and definitely that I've seen because I'm fairly new Um, so the the need is there the need is recognized we need to make sure that we get the funding for this bill so that is effective so that we're not just passing legislation to pass legislation that once we pass it it's really going to be able to help people Um, so I'm really excited to see this bill get passed and I'm so excited and thankful for all the support that we have behind it.
3: We are joined now by Emily Klein, who is a school psychologist. Emily, would you start off by introducing yourself and giving us a little bit about your background?
0: Um, sure. My name is Emily Klein. I'm a school psychologist. Um, currently, I am working in a middle school, um, but I have um, about 11 years of experience working in elementary schools. So that's where the bulk of my experience has been.
3: <laughs> so I know you've been a really passionate advocate of HP 100, which is our mental health resources in elementary school bill. How did you get involved in this? How did you find out about this bill and what made you want to advocate for it?
0: I found out about it um, through the work that I do with DSCA. Um, I'm on the executive board there and I heard about um, some of the, the legislative work they've been doing and heard about this bill. And I was you know immediately thinking like, this is really, really important. <laughs> we need so many more mental health supports in schools for students, and in elementary school, it's really important because it's a great opportunity to um, try to catch problems before they get too big. So, give kids um, skills to you know you know learn the skills that they need in order to be able to um, you know, deal with some things that might be difficult, um, as well as providing the supports um, before the problems get too big.
3: Per se, you've been working in the elementary schools for over a decade. What kind of impact do mental health professionals have on these young kids? What, how do they change their lives?
0: Well, one thing is, is that um, by seeing us in elementary schools, um, it helps. I think reduce some of the mental health stigma because. There are we aren't just these nameless, faceless, like mental health people. They're people that they recognize. They know me as Miss K. you know, they know, you know, the school counselor by her name. So we're we're people that they have, you know, names and faces that they put with. They know that we're people that are around, we're nice people to talk to. And so I think it just helped kind of help them understand that the we can have a a really helpful role and we're not scary.
3: Definitely. And this bill is for mental health providers but it also mentions that it's gonna help them provide services. So what are the different kinds of services that these mental health professionals can provide students? with?
0: Well, um, mental health providers can provide various types of services such as counseling services, clearly both individual um, services, um, group services. Um, sometimes our, our school counselors, for example, might go in, like push into a classroom and do a classroom lesson. Um, sometimes, um, you know, school counselors, so, uh, school social worker, school psychologist, um, we might pull students and work with them in small groups or work with them individually. Um, school psychologists, we do a lot of um, consultation with teachers as well. Um, so trying to help build up the teacher's skills to be able to, to help support students in the classroom without needing to pull them out. And um, We can do systems level work. Um, so helping work um, with the entire school to build systems that reinforce Positive behavior and teach students how to be good citizens
3: are there other states or even school districts that do have adequate mental health professionals within their schools, and what are the outcomes like in those school districts?
0: The ratios that you see in the bill are are things that um, of course we're working towards so in terms of statistics, I know that just having access to mental health services um, does tend to promote students actually accessing them as if they're not available, they're definitely not going to access them. But we've seen students who have had access to mental health services. they' you know they're, they can build those skills for resiliency, um, you know good, like strategies to help keep them mentally healthy, including things like maintaining physical health, you know, getting a lot of sleep, um, taking care of yourself, like all those kinds of things. Those are also important parts of mental health. Just um, taking care of your physical self too. But all of those things are 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 what's going to help promote students to grow up and to be um, healthy, productive adults.
2: We'll
3: now hear from a few passionate advocates of
4: HB one ten.
2: My name is Brandon Townsend. I am currently the college and career counselor as well as the school counseling department chair at Abiquonamic High School in Middletown, Delaware. My entire career has been spent as a school counselor. I was uh, in Delaware for my first four years. Uh, then I was actually in Cecil County, Maryland, for five years, and now I'm in my fifth year back in Delaware. Uh, and I've also uh, been heavily involved in some uh, of the local mental health organizations. Um, you know, we've, we've been heavily involved with NAMI Delaware. National Alliance of Mental Illness, and having them come in and work with our students and teachers, um, as well as I was, I served as the president for the Delaware School Counselor Association for the previous two school years as well. So very passionate about education in general, but more so, uh, you know, mental health resources for our students and families.
1: Um, I'm Dawn Hall. I'm currently a school social worker and McKinney-Vento um, liaison, foster care liaison, in Brandywine School District, and. We have just uh, formed our official School Social Work Association of Delaware, and I'm one of the co-presidents of that organization. I've been working as a social worker in the state of Delaware for the last 29 years, and various agencies started off with the hotline, Child Abuse Hotline. From there, I was a juvenile probation officer. Then I worked in the family court in the public defender's office, and currently been in the school system for the last 17 years. Chris, do
2: you want to go now? So
6: I'm the uh, founder of SL24, Unlock the Light, um, which is a a nonprofit uh, organization. And our mission is really threefold, educate, assist, and support our young adults age 14 to 24 with whatever mental health issues they may have. Uh, We started the foundation after we lost my son, Sean, uh, to depression. Um, He never really had an honest conversation about his mental health issue. We did not know he was even suffering with depression and anxiety until we lost him in July of 2018. So the reason why HB100 is so important for us is this really begins the first step to get mental health education into the school system, which is so pivotal so that kids like Sean at some point can have that conversation to get the help they need.
3: Yeah, it's definitely important. Everyone I've talked to, from mental health professionals to legislators, advocates, everybody is talking about how important it is to get ahead of these mental health issues in the elementary schools. So with that said, uh, Brandon or Dawn, do you want to talk about what kind of mental health services are provided? Because this bill gives funding for professionals, but what are these professionals doing within the schools? What I would say as far as what
1: services come in a lot of services are contracted in and that's where I think Brandon and I are on alignment with because we know our students, we're with our students, you know, when they're there for those 7.5, eight hours out of the day, and especially now with it being COVID and a lot of remote learning is taking place. You have to outreach through Zoom, you have to outreach through parent calls with them and it's very hard for someone who's a contracted provider to come in and really establish that relationship, keep that rapport up, up, see them in the classroom, see them in their environment, the home environment, and even interacting with the parents and interacting with the caregiver, who might be a grandmother, who might be an aunt, who might be even a non-relative that the child has been placed with, such as in foster care. So the importance of HB100 is that it allows for those units to be in the school, to be a part of the school system, to be in a lawyer of the school, school system when you're trying to piecemeal piece services and bring individuals in it's very hard to do that and I think Brandon can kind of also piggyback on that and when you're also trying to get those students prepared to go out of the school and go into society go to college and start preparing to live on their own.
2: Yeah, that's right. And and uh, Dawn made a good point about you know, a lot of services that are contracted out from school. So, um, you know, and, and specifically in regards to school counselors, that happens in Delaware. We have ele- uh, there is a district here in Newcastle County, which continues to contract out school counselor positions in their elementary schools. Um, and so, you know, this may or may not be someone who has a school counseling certification. That doesn't mean they don't have mental health training and certification in some sense, but it's not a specific school counselor certification. We, have, we still have elementary schools in the state who either don't have a full-time, some who don't have a full-time school counselor, some who are splitting or just don't have one at all. I believe Chris kind of uh, mentioned this a little earlier. This starts at the elementary school level where we have elementary school counselors in the state with caseloads of 800 students uh on their own. And and the American School Counselor Association recommends a ratio of 250 to one. So you're talking about one individual, if that elementary school even has a full-time school counselor, one individual trying to carry the workload of more than three. And, and you're gonna have kids fall through the cracks. You're gonna have kids who don't get access to the services that they need. Uh, and and then it perpetuates down the line, right? You have you have kids who fall into self-harm. Uh, you have kids who fall into, uh, you know, substance abuse and things like that as self-medication, um, you know, and then, you know, if they don't get the help at some point by the time they get to adulthood or if they even make it to adulthood. You know, those those chances of, of uh, attempted suicide, and things just continue to increase or, or or their mental health state just deteriorating even faster.
1: And, and even to piggyback on that also with what Brandon is also saying with school social workers most of the districts don't even have school social workers and the school social workers that they do have, they don't even work in the the capacity as a school social worker. I am always saying to my students that I am the bridge between home and school. I am the one that Brandon would send out and go out and say, hey Dawn, I've been trying to reach this parent. I don't know what's going on. Can you please go out? And we bridge that gap. We go into the homes. I always say my office is my car. Because that's where I am. I'm knocking on doors. I'm following up with parents. I'm outreaching. And it's very hard to do that when you don't have the capacity to be able to do that, to be in the role that you should be. So we're even, our schools are even limited with school social workers. who our, our training is primarily mental health training.
2: The, the folks, the, the mental health professionals that, that would that this bill would provide to schools are the ones who work so closely together in school buildings. Right. So the school counselors will work with the school social worker to say, hey, you know, this this kid hasn't been in. You can't get a hold of them or the last time we got a hold of them. This is what they said. The issue was, can you go out and check on that? It's a collective group of mental health professionals who are all extremely overburdened with our caseloads. And, you know, I do think the positive of, of this is that we all work together right here, these things, but we don't have the resources to get where we want to go.
6: Yeah. You know, it's very important and why I'm, I'm such a proponent of HB 100 is, as, as Bram was saying, the ratio. We've got to get the ratio down to something that's feasible so that counselor can really have an effect on the children she or he is touching. And when you have one per 800, one percent, right, you can't have that quality time. You know, having contract employees, yeah, that is kind of a band aid that's trying to solve a gaping wound. You need that counsel there on a full-time basis, build that rapport so that when that student, maybe in first grade is not dealing with anything, but in fourth or fifth grade may be dealing with something, has already built that relationship that was talking about so that when they're having a difficult time, they feel very comfortable going into that office and saying, I need some help. We don't help these young adults get the mental health they need through education and treatment and medicine, whatever the case may be. What are they going to do? Brandon said, they're going to self-medicate by abusing alcohol and abusing substance. And then we have a whole societal problem of what we're dealing with. They, they say you know, anywhere from 25 to 35% of drug overdoses are really suicide. I, I dealt with a student uh, at one of our local high schools here in Newark and someone had reached out because they knew the work we were doing. And I met with this young man, 16 years old, a father was in prison, mom was dying of cancer. And he was dealing with depression and he didn't know me from Adam. We had just met. And I asked him, I said, well, who have you spoken to about your depression? And he says, you're the first person. I said, how long have you been dealing with this? Since I was about nine or 10 years old. He was 16 at the time. This poor young man for seven years was not only dealing with his own mental health issues, but all the things that was going on in his life. And he had no one to talk to except for this strange old guy who happened to show up in a panera bread one day because someone was kind enough to to put us together. And that's what's so great about HB 100. It's the first step.
3: I know that right now, the funding model, and you kind of touched on this earlier with the contracted counselors, the funding model is not sustained. So I want to hear from the school counselors and the school social workers, what does it mean when your funding is not sustained? Does that mean that you don't know every year if you're going to have the budget for a social worker or a counselor. What does that mean for the kids? They can, in the
1: schools, administrative, you have a unit and the unit is a teacher unit. We're contracted and that unit is for that school and say it is not sustained just for a school counselor or a school social worker. The administrator, and if I'm thinking correctly and understanding correctly, they can take that unit and use it for whatever they choose to use it for. In this bill, I think asking that it be for a school counselor, a school social worker, or a school psychologist, and I and I think Brandon, um, because he has been working, he's been the president, and he knows how that works with, especially with school counselors. We are just that's why we're yelling, help! We want to come in.
2: And and not only that, so so yeah, so counselors, you know, speaking of, as a school counselor, we are we are a teacher unit, right? So. Uh if 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 I wasn't in my building, my admin would probably use that to hire a classroom teacher to lower their, their classroom numbers. Because you know, especially before COVID, but even even while uh you know the year or two before COVID we saw a really strong increase in our push for mental health advocacy in schools, you know, wh- what's the number one complaint you hear from parents? My kid's class is too big. Too big. There, there are too many students in there. So it puts administrators in a really tough spot, and, and I'm, I'm not jealous of administrators for this, and I'm glad I don't have to make that decision of do I lower my class sizes because that's the number one complaint I get from parents? Or do I hire a mental health uh, you know, per, uh, individual who, who can provide these, these resources that we know are so needed for long-term success of our students? What's wonderful about uh, HB 100, is, so for those districts who either contract their only counselor out or don't have a counselor in that elementary school, that that funding has to go to that unit, right? It has, this is for mental health purposes. You know, our elected officials throughout the state are stepping up to saying, no, we are going to be the leaders on this because you, in my eyes, our elected legislators are the only ones who can solve this problem by passing legislation, which gives the funding specifically for mental health resources.
3: And I think the good news about that is this bill has the most support of any bill in a really long time. There are actually, I think, 50 legislators that have signed on as sponsors of this. I was talking to Emily Klein, who's a school psychologist earlier, and she was talking about how her students know her. Her students know her as Mrs. K. They don't know her as her title, which could be a little bit overwhelming for a student. So, Chris, maybe as a parent, how important is it For your kid to have someone that they can go to in the middle of their school day if they're feeling down or someone that they can turn to if they're having a crisis?
6: I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, So I'm a father of seven children. I have some parental experience. Um, But that question resonates with me because my son, Sean, and I were extremely close. We talked every single day. And we had this tremendous father-son bond. But even having that tremendous relationship, he did not feel comfortable talking to me about the struggles he was dealing with with depression and anxiety. And we find this with a lot of young adults. They don't really want to speak to their parents about this. You know, it's very hard. And to be perfectly honest, if my son came to me, I probably would have said all the wrong things. I would have told him, suck it up. What are you talking about? You've got all the success and and everybody loves you. Because I'm his dad. But a professional can sit down and say, okay, Sean, this is what you're dealing with. Let's give you some tools and let's give you some resources. You know, One of the things we've seen at Sean's house, which we opened October 1st, you know, and that's a a safe haven place in New York for 14 to 24 year olds. I had no idea what was going to happen when we opened it up. But in five short months, we've had over 800 young adults Mm. come in to want to speak with the people we have at the house. So that gave them a vehicle because they're probably not talking to their mom and dad. And these are 14 year olds to college kids, to young professionals that are coming in because that allows them to speak to someone in a confidential way, in a trustworthy way. And as as Brent said, you build that relationship over years. And then when they're having that crisis, they can get
2: the help they need. By providing the mental health professionals in schools with the mental health professionals in schools that we need, you lower our anxiety and stress levels, and we become more efficient and more effective. So speaking from personal experience, my first four years as a school counselor in Delaware, uh, three of the four, I should say, because there was one year where I had another counselor working with me. I was one school counselor to 600 high school students. When I left Delaware and went to Cecil County, Maryland, I was one of for school counselors for a building of 800 students. My workload went from 600 to 200, which is 50 below the ASCA recommendation. And I cannot tell you enough uh, the difference I felt. And now, now being back in Delaware, <laughs> the, the increased stress again, because the numbers aren't, aren't where they should be. I, I had more time to be, and the keyword here is proactive. I had the time to be proactive to, to, to reach out to and connect with and to, to check in on those students I knew needed a little bit more or may be struggling more or may, may need somebody to check in on them. And so I think what, what the state of Delaware will see is you will have uh, better outcomes for students in regards to attendance, in regards to discipline, in regards to academics and graduation rates, but you'll see an improvement in educator effectiveness and efficiency And you'll see lower rates of burnout amongst your mental health professionals in your school building. You know, right now you have counselors and and social workers and psychologists going home every day, nonstop worrying about what what kid or kids did they miss? What, What kid wasn't able to get to them that day because because of their caseload, they had to do all these other things.
3: Yeah, Senator Pinckney, who is a Senate sponsor on this bill, was actually talking about how this is a bonus for teachers in the classroom, too, because they are not trained mental health professionals. And if they have the right resources, you know, when they realize there is a problem with a student, they can send them to the appropriate place rather than stressing about solving the issue on their own, which they aren't trained to do. So I think that's really important to consider as well.
6: I think we need to look as a society, not mental health versus physical health. It's really just health. And, and we have, for, for decades and generations, have kind of put them in two pigeonholes. And it's really, one, your mental health affects your physical health, and your physical health affects your mental health. And, and we need to understand the importance of having these mental health professionals in these schools for the well-being of our healthy children. And I truly see this bill, and it's an old cliche, pay me now or pay me later. Yes. You know, this is upfront money. And we're not going to see the immediate return. It's going to take 10, 12, 20 years. But I truly believe by doing this, we're going to see lower substance abuse. We will see lower overdoses. We will see people getting the help they need and hopefully lower suicide rates or lower self-harm rates, which have... Escalated tremendously over the last five to seven years, and HB 100 is that first step to hopefully reverse some of those horrible numbers we are all familiar. And
1: and I want to say, you know, that our children are worth it, our our families are worth it, our communities are worth it, society is worth it. If we don't do this on the front end, just like Chris said, and once again, I'm going to speak back to you know the days of being a probation officer and we're trying to send our children out west to a program out west because we're trying to address what was going on that could have been addressed if we had what we needed in the schools at that elementary level, build it through middle school. Because once again, like Chris said, if you have your students, you have a school counselor, school so- social workers, a school psychologist working as a team, and that student sees that in those individuals from kindergarten to fifth grade, imagine what we can take and pass on to their next support team, to help them in middle school, and then again through high school.
6: Mental health issues does not discriminate. It doesn't care how rich, how poor you are. It doesn't care your political affiliation. It doesn't care if you're black, white, yellow, gay, straight, nothing. It affects everybody. everybody. And that's what we need to do. We need to provide these services for everybody in our school system, and they will use those systems, but we have to provide it
2: you know, it's, it's about being proactive. We're not gonna have the, the data we need a year or two after we enact it, right? It's gonna take five, 10, 15 years. But we also, it goes back to what Chris said, it's gonna take some time for that data to show the positive outcomes. But if we don't spend the money now, we're gonna spend a lot more money later trying to play cleanup. Um, not only because we're gonna have all these other issues as, as people get older that need we need funding for, but then we're gonna turn around and say, yeah, we should have done this, let's do it now.
3: Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at DE House Dems, on Instagram, DE House Dems, and on Twitter, also DE House Dems. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date with the latest happenings
5: at Legislative Hall.